Welcome to the Basilea Hollywood Podcast, a community of friends committed to the message and practice of Jesus and His kingdom. God, thanks for Chris. Thanks for his heart. Um, thank you that uh, he loves us. I just pray that you would um, speak through him today. Amen. Guys, I forgot to take the offering, so if you have offering, put it in one of those baskets before you leave. Thank you. Awesome. How you guys doing? Doing good? All right. How you guys doing? Let's get back. Hey. Um, so, uh, let's see. What am I going to speak about? Um, Louis C.K. All right, uh, he's a good comedian. He can get a little dirty sometimes. The guy is—he speaks truth like no one else I know right now. And uh, he has this great bit that's very uh, disturbing and funny too. And he, uh, so his his friend's sister is coming into the city of New York. First time she's been in any city, let alone New York City, the biggest city in the nation. So. She's coming there. She arrives at the Port Authority in the bus stop, and they go to pick her up. And uh, she, they walk out, and, and uh, him and his buddy walk right by this homeless guy and, and who's, who's in really bad shape. Like, he's just, uh, just in really, really bad shape. They walk right by him, and then she stops and sees him. She, she actually sees him, and she's like, oh, my gosh, like, what happened? Are you Okay. And, and, and there, first of all, you know, Louis says, he's like, first of all, what, what happened? America happened. I mean, this is like, there's a million things that went into the, like, this happening right here, okay? And, um, and so she kneels down, and, and he stops her and says, oh, no, 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 we, we don't do that. We don't, we don't do that. And she says, oh, oh is, is he okay? And he's like, oh, no, he's not okay, but, but we, we just don't do that here. He desperately needs it, but we just don't do that. And it's, it's one of those things where you're just like, oh, gosh, that's... I think there's some of that within all of us, if we, if we were honest with ourselves. There's some of that, that jadedness in how we look at the world. Jesus talks a lot about being childlike and being, going, going back to being, having the eyes we had as a child. And that's one of the things, that if you get anything out of this today, is, is getting, getting those, those children's eyes again. Because we, just, we get so faded and, and, and jaded. Um, Being, being a, a, a newlywed, you, you realize the importance of being seen and seeing somebody. Not just physically their presence. You know, sometimes we'll be working in the same room and, and like all of a sudden we'll run away to each other. like, pay attention to me. Pay attention. Like, I want to know you see me. I want to know that, that you know I'm here. And then we joke about it, but we, we kind of want that. And then, but then beyond that, too, we want to be seen emotionally. We want to be seen like if we're in a bad mood. We want them to, to figure it out before we do and before we have to tell them, I'm in a bad mood. Like, deal with this now or help me deal with this. We want to be seen, you know? Um, I think sometimes for me and, and uh, some of my friends, not naming any names, but uh, have, the, the sarcasm is a way of being seen because we, we, we say something that, that catches people off guard so all of a sudden they have to pay attention to us because otherwise we're just going to say something and they're going to be misled by what we're saying. And so it, we want to be seen. And so kids notice things so much more than we do. I feel like, like when I used, to, I used to do this little uh, vacation Bible school thing, and the kids would always notice the first thing. about like, hey, Chris, how come you have red dots over your face? I had acne at the time. And, like, and, and they just notice everything immediately. And like, like, hey, how come you're in a bad mood? You look sad. And they just say it. They just see it and they say it. 
Whereas adults, we're, we're kind of trained to kind of be consumed with, with ourselves and, and to kind of be internal. And I think God wants to reverse that in us. He wants to, to, to reverse the, the cataracts that are in our eyes and to see like children and to, and to see people and to see him. He wants to reverse that and kind of change that around and be like that, that uh, his friend, Luis Kike's friend's sister who got off the, the, the bus and actually saw that person, whereas, you know, he just kind of ignored it. So uh, this, this scripture that we're going to read about, is, uh, it's, it's well known. It's in all five of the Gospels. It's written down in all five of them. And if you think there's five Gospels, you're not paying attention. <laughs> Four Gospels. See, I want to be seen, so I wanna, I'm making sure you guys are on point with me. There's four Gospels, but it's the only miracle outside of the resurrection that's in all four Gospels. So there's something significant about this. And I glazed over this one a lot because it's like, oh, the feeding of the 5,000. Like, oh, that's okay. Yeah, he, like, he made food, and that's cool. That's, that, that's something for little kids. That's not something for, you know, I, give me, the, give me the, the complex stuff. Give me the, give me the rising from the dead, you know. I, I want to talk about that. But this is big, and there's a reason it's in all four Gospels. So uh, we're going to read that, and I want everyone to, to read it with me. I'm going to read at a different pace, so just try to stay with me, and we'll be offbeat at different times. And I'll pause, and you'll go ahead of me, and I'll slow down, and you'll go ahead of me. Don't worry about it. But uh, could you put the scripture up? Okay, well, first of all, a little context. Uh, Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, has just been, uh, he's also, his cousin, he's also his, uh, the forerunner of his, uh, his ministry. He, he set the stage for him. He was like his warm-up guy. He just died. He's got executed. And so that affects him. It affects Jesus. So now when Jesus heard, let's all read together, all right? Now when Jesus heard about John, he withdrew from there in a boat to a secluded place by himself. And when the people heard of this, they followed him on foot from the cities. Pause right there. Um, the reason why I, I uh, have us all say it out loud is that there's two different ways we learn. We, we learn by reading and we also learn by hearing. And so it kind of hits on both of those things within our brain so we can remember it more. So anyway, um, when he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this place is desolate and the hour is already late. So send the crowds away that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Ordering the people to sit down on the grass, he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food, and breaking the loaves, he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied. They picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 full baskets, there were about 5,000 men who ate besides women and children. If we could just leave up that, uh, the middle part, that'd be great. So they're out there. They're out in, this, uh, in this, this plain right by this lake. And there's a bunch of people out there, and they're being healed. They're, they're being, they have a doctor on location who's doing things they've never seen before. So they're being healed. It's a very important thing. But it's getting late, and they're not leaving because... If you want to get a miracle, you're going to, you're going to skip your meal. You're going to skip dinner. You're going, to, you're going to stay there and get what you need. And so the disciples have, take initiative, and they say, you know what? Like, let's, I have compassion on these people. I want these people to, to be able to, to eat. So let's, let's put a pin in this here, stop the miracles for a second, 
and, and, we'll, and we'll, uh, we'll send them back to the villages so they can buy food. We'll resume this tomorrow. We'll, we'll, we'll get it going. It makes, it's, it's, very, it's very reasonable advice, and it's, and it's very compassionate, too, you know, because if they, they could have kept going all night, and the people would have stayed probably because if I want a miracle, I'm going to stay all night. I'm going to skip dinner, sleep, everything. So instead, though, Jesus says, they don't need to leave. You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. That is not what I expect Jesus to say to me. Especially with when there's, okay, so at the end of it says 5,000 men were out there. It's probably because it was such a, like a, matri- a patriarchal society that, uh, that when they passed out the bread, they probably passed out to the men, and, and the men would, fe- would pass out to their families. So there's 5,000 men. That means it's about roughly 12 to 15,000 people. A lot of people out there. All right? So um, he says, you give them something to eat. And I'm coming from two different perspectives here. From the disciples' perspective, you're, you're with this, this, uh, this rabbi, this messiah, whatever you believe him to be when you're following him. That these, the disciples believed at different points who he was. So they're there, and they hear this. You give them something to eat. All right? And if I heard that from someone I wanted to please and obey, and, 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 and that would give me anxiety, and I would feel so overwhelmed. Because I'd, I'd want to do what he wants me to do, but I'd also feel so ang- much anxiety because like, I can't do that. I know it's impossible. And I'd feel so disparaged and discouraged. You know, Whoever said that God will not give us more than we can handle is a liar. God will consistently, and, and we will find ourselves consistently in circumstances that are way more than we can handle. Way more than we can handle. And if you, if you think that about God, it's going to lead to a lot of trouble in your life because you're going you're gonna to wonder why you're the one that can't handle everything and everyone else can handle stuff. He will constantly just keep putting weight on our lives. And I don't fully understand it why. We can come up with a lot of reasons why. We don't fully understand why he allows it or why sometimes he causes it. In this situation, he's causing it. He's actually creating anxiety by saying, hey, you give, you give them something to eat. He's actually purposely creating anxiety. But it's how we respond to it. And there's going to be times in our life when God's just going to hold the mirror to us, to the inner part of our heart, and say, this is how poor you are. This is how much poverty you have. This is how helpless you are. He's going to show us exactly what's inside, because that's the last thing I want to admit to, and that's the last thing I want to face, is my own inadequacy and my own feeling of not being enough. So that's, what, that's what, about the disciples' perspective. They're just like, they're, they're taken to their wits' end here, and they're like, what, what do you mean? Like, we have here only five loaves and two fish for like 15,000 people. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Why would you say that? Like, you do so many good things, Jesus. Why would you tell us to do that? Now, flip the, flip the page here and go to, to God's perspective, to Jesus' perspective, okay? He's walked with them for a while. They've seen him raise the dead. They've seen him do miracles, and... They're not, they're not going to him for, the, for like, like, if he can raise the dead, of course he can make food out of something. Of course. But it's like they don't see him. It's almost as if he's not even there to them, or who he is to them is hidden from them. And I, and I think about, like, the, back to the thing about wanting to be seen by people and, w- and wanting to be known by people. And uh, I, I think of high school football, which was, like, my... Uh, I, I put so much effort in, in hopes and desires into my high school football career. I wanted, I wanted that more than anything at the time. And 
I was the guy, my coach didn't trust giving signals because at that time, like, the league was so competitive. You give signals, they know what you're doing anyway. And, and so he would have me run to the sideline. He'd give me the play. I'd run back to the, to the huddle. We had this play called the 45 counter reverse. It was awesome, okay? With the whole play was, it, it would make the, uh, the defense think that you're going this way, and everybody would move this way, and then I would get the ball and run the other opposite way, and they'd all keep going, and we'd run this play over and over and over, and they would, they, no defense could handle this play. They would all just see the whole defense going this way, the offense going this way, and they'd just move with them, and all of a sudden I'd come around the side. Got a first down every single time, so it always worked, it always worked. We'd run it about three, maybe four times a game. Barely used it. Barely used it. And I'd sit there and look in my coach's eyes. I'm right in front of him. And, and he's thinking, ah, oh, gosh, what are we going to It's third down. We, we really need a first down. What are we going to do? Oh, uh, let's, let's just do the same stupid play that's been stopped the last four times. Let's do that same play again. I'm just like, I feel so invisible and so unused and so unappreciated and so unseen. It made me feel like, like I was invisible. And I wonder if that's how Jesus felt right here. He has all the power of the universe within his, his being. And he, they're not asking him for anything. They're just going, oh, wait, we don't have enough. And in other versions, they say, well, they actually do the calculations. They do, oh, well, it'll take about, you know, like 15 days wages to pay for all this. You know, I, I, it, I wish they don't have any of that money. They actually do the math, though, without even thinking of him. And that's our biggest problem, is that we are bad at math. We are bad at math, Okay. In high school, I was actually pretty good at math, but I, I, would, I would do my, my algebra equations or geometry, and, and you, know, you have to show your work. You do the whole problem up on, the, on your you know, scratch paper. And, uh, and so I'm doing the whole problem, trying to show it, and I get to the end, and I get the answer. I'm like, yeah, all right. And I turn it in, and you get it wrong. And, and then I get it back, and I, this whole area is circled that I didn't even, I forgot to use. I completely, like, I took this integer over here, and I forgot to put it into the equation. Completely got it wrong. And, and I missed the problem, and I, and I got it wrong, you know, but I, don't, I haven't taken math since high school, so I'm good. But um, they, uh, and that's exactly what I do with God. I add up all my bills, and I, and I look at, oh, this, this, this can't work. This can't work. I look at the, the doctor's prognosis, and I, I look at, like, medical diagrams and say, oh, like, we're screwed. You know, my, my mom's probably going to die, or, 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 like, or whoever I'm looking at is going to die. Because that's what, this, that's what the, the, the prognosis says. And I don't calculate with God. I, I completely take him out of the equation. And he's sitting right there. And I leave him out of the equation. I look at all the bad things in my life and I add them all up. And then I come up with this answer of like, this is how the world is. This is who God is. And this is who, who everyone else in my life is to me. And this is who I am because of all this failure and all this pain in my life. I add it all up. But I don't factor in God. I don't put him into the equation. And that's what we're missing out on. If we want to get our math right, we have to remember he's right next to us, he's within us, he's right here, right now. And the disciples got the math wrong because they weren't seeing him. They are seeing him as another good person, a teacher, not someone who could do miracles, but just a, a good person. They didn't see him. We need to see each other, and we need to see God. We watched uh, Steve Jobs the other night, the, the latest one with Michael Fassbender, the David Fincher one. Um, and I thought it was very good. I actually, it didn't do one on the box. I thought it was very good. 
and it showed a side. I'd seen so many you know, documentaries and even uh, you know, Ashton Kutcher doing uh, Steve Jobs. But this story, I, I feel like I really I understood Steve Jobs more. And I saw him in, in contrast to Steve Wozniak, who, who was the brains behind Apple and all these other computer companies. He's the one that, that built them. He's the one that had all the, 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 the he, he knew how to make it happen. Steve Jobs was this dreamer. He had tons of flaws, tons of flaws, was mean as heck and, and demanding of people, but he, he had this, this vision in his head, and he was like, no, no, we, we need to make it this way. And they're like, that's impossible. Like, it should just be this way. This makes more sense. It's more efficient. He's like, no, it needs to be done this way. And he brought them to a, a level that they would never have got to by, by yelling, shouting, and, and all these other methods. But he got them there because he, was, he, was, he saw something else. He saw a bigger vision, a bigger picture. And that's the thing. He, there's a kid, there's a childlikeness about Steve Jobs, a childlikeness about him. That, that Steve Wozniak was the good guy. Like, like he, just, he was played by, played by Seth Rogen, and you're just like, you just love the guy. He's he like a big teddy bear. And like he had all the, he, he, had, he was like the brains, but he's the one that did it. But, but you still saw more childlikeness within this cold-hearted person in Steve Jobs because he saw something. He saw something. And I think that's what Jesus wants us to see. They're all out over, over this field, 15,000 people. And when I, when I had sleepovers as a kid, I, I, I was the only child, and so I was lonely a lot, so I always loved having sleepovers. And my friends, would have, we'd have a sleepover, and then in the morning, we'd have this great idea. Every time, it was a great idea, like, what if we kept doing this? What if, what if we kept this going on, but we just, we just all stayed here, and then we could go to or someone else's house, too, but we all stayed together. We all just, we just hung out. We, we'd make forts, and we'll do this. We'll, yeah, we have all the, and, and it was always this, this, this idea, and it never happened. It never, you know, mom would come pick us up, and then we'd all go to different split, spots and split up. But there was this, this childlike desire there. There, there, was, there was something, some truth that like, wanted to make this keep going on. And the disciples come in like, like adults and say, okay, we have a lot of people here. We need to take care of them, so let's send them away. Let's send them away to, to their, let them take care of themselves. It's a very reasonable solution, very compassionate, but also reasonable solution. And Jesus says, like, hey, they don't have to go away. Like, what, what if we kept, what if we kept, just kept the party going? What, what, you know, what if we had food here? Like, like that's a child right there. It's like, a, what if we like brought in helicopters and they dropped food and like they, we just had a, a big feast here? Like, it's ridiculous. But that's what kids think like. That's how kids think. That's how God wants us to rewire our minds, rewire how we think and how we do business, how we how we live, how we think. What if we could feed everybody? What if we could do that? And then the next part of it, Jesus says to, the, to their meager response of five loaves and two fish, bring them here to me. Bring them here to me. Now, if I, if I was them and I had, the, I had the five loaves and two fish, I'd be like, uh, no. <laughs> Why would I present something to you that I know is going to fail? Like, that's gonna, like, that feels embarrassing and vulnerable to me. It was very vulnerable to me to, to say, hey, here's something. Yeah, yeah, here's this. That's not going to work at all. Here, here's, here's what I have that's, that's not going to work at all, and it's going to fall flat on its face. But here, yeah, here, let me, let me present this to you. It's nothing compared to 15,000 people. Yeah, that's what God calls us to do in life, is to show up in our full weakness, to show up with our pain, our junk, and everything that, that we are embarrassed about and feel vulnerable about. Yes. 
I ran the, the 800 in high school, and uh, actually, so did Josiah. He was really good. Um, and it's a grueling race. It's a two-lap race, half mile. There's no pace to it. You, you, just, you just start running, and you, you stop when there's a finish line. It's just, there's no, you can't settle down into something and have a strategy. You just go. It's, it's tough. It's brutal. And I remember the first time I did it, I ran like way faster than, than they anticipated it, but my, my time, my, I ran a really fast first split, and the second split was like, like I was walking, and, and, and my legs were tightening up. It, 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 was like, it was like I couldn't even move. It was like someone, some uh, bear just grabbed my legs and just squeezed, and I couldn't even move. Um, and it was embarrassing. I mean, I, mean it, it didn't, I, I didn't look that weird, but I probably just looked like I was awkward or I was like holding in a, a bowel movement or something, but like it, it was... It was, it was, but, but I had a pretty good time, though, because I ran so fast in the first lap. But there, there's something that, that, that taught me a lesson that right there I, that was a wrong lesson. That was like, oh, like, I'm not going to be that weak again. So I'm going to go up much slower in the first lap and then, and then, and then come to a nice finish. You know? I'll kick in at the last you know, 100 meters in the home stretch, which is the you know, home stretch is what you see in the Olympics. It's, it's that part where the, all the cameras are and everything. Like, that's the home stretch. So I'll, I'll kick in there and go fast there, but I'm going to conserve everything and hold back and reserve myself because I don't want to be weak. I'm not going to be vulnerable by giving away of my energy in the earlier part of the race. And so I, I was mediocre for about two years. I was just mediocre. You know, I, just, I, I had all this promise in that first race. They were excited about me, and then nothing. It wasn't until my senior year, a coach saw what I was doing and didn't tell me, but he just knew what I was doing. And he's like, hey, what if we, what if we, uh, what if we kicked in at 300 meters? I'm like, that, that's halfway through the race, practically. He's like, what if you just ran it as fast as you could right there? And, and, and it just didn't stop to the finish line. And, I, and, and for some stupid reason, I believed him. I was like, okay, like, I'll, I'll try that. Sure enough, like, broke the school record, like, beat all these guys that had been, they were just beating me all season is beating up on me, and I beat all of them because I stopped holding back, and I showed up and risked putting my, my weakness out there. And that's, that's what God wants from us, to show up, to show up with whatever we have, whatever attention span, whatever, whatever sin you have, whatever, whatever failure and guilt you have, embarrassment you have. He wants you to just show up with it. And watch what he does. Watch what he does. You know, the, I think it was, the, I think, who knows if it really was him, but uh, Woody Allen said that 80% of success is just showing up. And I think he meant even deep, not more than just attendance-wise. It's actually even just showing up with your full self and all your abilities. And there's so many times I, when I, I just, I'm not enough. And I see it. And, and so why would I go out? Why would I go out and actually do something? Because I, I see, and there's so many times I've, let, I've stopped ministry opportunities and stopped ideas I've had because I, I realized I was not enough. And God's like, yes, thank you. you like, I'm glad you came to this, this place. Now we can work with you here. Now you can watch me work miracles. Because then it won't be about you, and you don't want it to be about you. Deep down, you don't want life to be about you. It's such a, a boring, lonely place, and it's, you know, it's not even what we really deeply want. It's what we think we want. And I feel the, the weight of, of the pain of the city. And I, feel, and I, and I hear all the, all the, the demands of, of what, what needs to be done. And I, I, just, I know I'm not enough. I sense the, the, the you know, what we were praying about earlier, like that elephant. Like I sense the, the, the weight on all of us of, of what the potential we have. 
to transform this city, to transform this world, to, do so, to, do, to transform our own lives and actually like, live differently than our parents did. It's like something as little as that. I, I sense that, that sense of destiny, and I just say, oh, I, I take an inventory, and I go, nope, I got five loaves and two fish. Why try? And I get jaded, and I stop. Then I walk by the, the homeless person like Louis C.K., and I, and, I, and I stop seeing things because I'm tired of being reminded about what I can't do. I'm tired of it. But if, if I can get over my pride, if I can get over my, my, my desire to be able to do something, gosh, what, what can he do within us? We can get, get over us wanting to have things together and us wanting to be, feel equipped and ready for life. If we can get over that, he can, he'll do miracles. If we take that to him, he can do miracles. Because it's hard to show up when you feel strong, but it's even harder to show up. It's terrifying to show up when you feel weak. But if we're honest, that's how we are all the time. We're never really strong. We're never really strong. We may feel like it, but we're not, we're not really that strong. But he is. We have a little... Uh, so I, I commissioned a, a high-profile painter to, to paint some scenes. Um, of what, what happens in God's kingdom. All right, this is what happens in God's kingdom. All right, this is what happens when, when things... Uh, could you do that, that first slide? Um, okay. This is, this is like what's going to happen throughout our lives and has happened throughout our lives, okay? This is like the rhythm, okay? God puts us in an impossible situation. That wall is an impossible situation, all right? And I wish I had a kid I could blame this on that I, I had him write this, but no. Um, or we just find ourselves in an impossible situation. He doesn't always put us in things, but, but, but in this situation, he did. And sometimes he does. And I'm not sure why, but I know he loves us. And I'm not sure why, but I know he's good. So God puts us in an impossible situation. Next. We give God the little that we have. That's Jesus, and that's a fish in the guy's hand. But, but, and he's embarrassed, because that's me. Like, I'm so embarrassed. Like, really, God? Like, you're going to use me? Come on. Come on, this? Really? Really? Next one. God multiplies it. You get excited. And the next one, everybody's fed. Those are stomachs being full. <laughs> Times 5,000. And then the final one, we end up with way more than we gave. We end up with way more than we gave. They had 12 full baskets full of food left, and I think it's very significant, okay? Martin Luther well, I'll hold off on that. Like, the, and this is the gospel too. This is this is this is the good news of what he does. Is that is that we're in this impossible situation where I don't know if you've tried to be good, try to be a good person. Um, if, if you're over thirty, I think you've realized by now you can't do it. Like, it's just not not possible to be a good person. We could, the, the bar keeps lowering as I get older, of of like what my standards are. But I show up to God with, with all my junk and all, all my failure and my sin, and He does something in it. He does something with it. That I don't even fully understand. I, I know he saves me. I know he does something. He, he does something. I don't get it. And then, and then all of a sudden, I, I, have, I have so much more ability to, to do the things that I never thought I could do. And then it actually helps other people. Everybody's fed. It, it actually affects people in positive ways. And then all of a sudden, uh, this, this life I, I gave him, that, that I feel like I sacrificed to, by not going after what I wanted to do, this, 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 all this thing I, I gave him, this alleged sacrifice is so much more. It's, I just feel 
Life is not, is not easy, but I, I am so much more satisfied now that I've given my life to Jesus than I was before. So much more satisfied. I'm talking about even just like, even walking down the street is different. It's different. And it's hard, though, because I'd rather do it myself than ask for help. I'd rather, I'd rather solve a problem of, of hunger out there by my own wits than ask for a miracle. Are you willing to ask for a miracle this morning? It's humbling. Because it means you have no, no part in it. It means you have nothing to do with it except the fact that he loves you. Are we humble enough to ask for a miracle? Martin Luther, the guy who started uh, Protestantism pretty much by breaking away from the Catholic Church, he uh, his quote says that Christianity is a marriage. We give everything to Jesus and he gives everything to, to, to us. We give him all his, our sin and he gives us all his goodness and transforms us. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to, I'm going to have some things up on the, up on the screen, and we're going to sit. I want you guys to sit for a couple minutes and just and answer, answer those questions to yourself. And then after that, find someone, pair up with someone to pray with, or, or just talk with. But I encourage you to pray because that's where how things get done. And if you don't want to pray with, with anyone near you, we'll be over here, and you guys can, and we'll, you can, we'll pray with you. So um, I'll pray with us, and then we'll show those slides. God, I pray that... Uh, Oh, I just thank you. You didn't even ask the, the loaves to be multiplied. You just gave thanks, and it happened. So we thank you this morning. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you.